Hey everybody, this is the first episode of a new podcast called The MCU Through Our Eyes. My name is Aaron, this is my co-host Ali. We are very excited, you know, we decided to start this because we are big MCU fans and these movies have had a big impact on our lives growing up and to this day we're still big fans of every single new project that comes out. We're going to be giving our thoughts on all of the movies and like I said, just talking about how these movies are more just movies to us and many people out there. Yeah, we're super, super excited about the future. We're planning on making videos once a week. Uh, you know, we're just really, really excited. And actually, we're pretty blessed that we got one of our favorite YouTubers, Sean Chandler, on our first episode. So we're going to have a little bit of an interview with him. He's going to talk a little bit about himself and about how he feels about Marvel. So without further ado, I hope you guys are, are excited and ready. Here we go. All right, so here we have our special guest, Sean Chandler. You know, we're big fans. He's our, like, fair movie critic. And... You know, before we get started talking about them, MCU and all of that, just tell us a little bit about yourself and just your love for them to you and what got you into it. And you're like a big part of the podcast is the impact that it has had on people's lives. <laughs> and I heard you mention before that the MCU was kind of like a big lift off for your channel mm -hmm. to speak about. Like you can speak about an impact more than most people. So just speak about that in general. Yeah. So um, I I've just always been into kind of nerd culture type stuff. Growing up, I didn't go to comic cons. I went to Star Trek conventions, but they're the exact same thing, just more niche. And but I mean, they're literally the exact same things. And then on Saturdays, my sister and I would ride our bikes up to the local comic book shop, actually called Sean's Comics. And um, that, that's so much of what my childhood is remembering going to Star Trek conventions and going with my sister to the comic book store. So I've just always kind of been into this sort of thing. And then when they announced Iron Man, I remember my wife being like, who's Iron Man? I mean, that was a cool trailer, but who's Iron Man? I was like, well, you know, I know he's not A-list um, comic book characters, but like this could be really cool if they pull this off. And we were there opening weekend for Iron Man, and I have been a, a fan of the MCU ever since. And then jump forward a couple of years, they started being a bunch of these YouTube channels coming out of just normal people talking about movies on the Internet. And I was like, that that's cool. That'd be fun to do. And I had a couple false starts, but then in 2016, it it finally clicked for me. Um, I had a window of time where I was kind of a, doing a reset on life and started a channel about um, talking about movies way too much. And this was running parallel to the start of phase three of the MCU, where they really started getting urgent momentum, excitement, where everyone wanted to see what was going to happen in the next one. And that's right when I was kind of starting my channel. And um, as they had new Marvel movies coming out, there was plenty for me to talk about on my YouTube channel. And um, I, I became kind of the ranking guy where I'd rank franchises. And then when Thor Ragnarok came out, I had my biggest hit video ever and kind of really fine-tuned things at that point in time. And then a couple months later, Black Panther came out. And I really kind of doubled down on the idea of being the ranking guy. So I didn't just rank the movies, but I ranked the characters, the, the heroes and the villains. And at that point in time, I actually started making more money from YouTube than I did from my day job. And so I started planning to go full time with it. And um, I decided to quit my day job two months prior to Endgame coming out. because so I was like, this is going to be the biggest movie ever. I'm going to ride that wave. That's if there's ever a wave that can help me actually do this transition safely. It's going to be Endgame. I, that's the one I want to hop on. And that's what I did. So legitimately... Um, you know, I've always loved talking about movies. I've always loved comic book movies. One of the earliest movies I remember seeing was Batman 1989. That's always what I've enjoyed. But now over the last few years, it's it's been a change of 
the whole trajectory of my life of talking about movies on the internet is so tied to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, its rise in the popular culture. And I just rode that wave. And um, it's been very cool to kind of get to a point in time where it, it legitimately has kind of given me the, the freedom to work for myself and do what I do what I would do for free, except get paid to do it. That's awesome, bro. And I, it's funny that you said that you started in phase three, because like when you really think about it, you think about phase three and it was just hit after hit. And mm -hmm. there was a time that the MCU was just not missing. Every single movie, you think of like Homecoming was a good movie, Ragnarok, Infinity War, like I was oh, yeah, yeah, that was crazy. What like, do you think? Captain Marvel, which was kind of divisive. A lot, you know, a lot of people have that bottom tier. It made over a billion dollars. <laughs> like it was things are so red hot that even a movie that people are like, I don't know about this one. A billion dollars. That's how red hot um, phase it phase three was. And that's literally, I think it was a week or two before Captain Marvel came out is when I, I went full time. And so it's just like hopping right on that wave is what I did. Before you went full time, was that ever hard balancing your life and making the videos and stuff? Um, I mean, it, it was certainly a commitment. I don't I, I don't think back and think, man, that was really hard but it was extraordinarily time consuming, but you have to put it in the context of where I was at in life is. Um, uh, so I, I had worked in a church setting for almost a decade and kind of that ended on a really negative notes on my end of you know, choices I made weren't great. And so I was unemployed when I started my YouTube channel, I'd done things that violated the trust of my wife and was in a kind of a rebuilding phase. And so when you're in a place like that, kind of when you hit bottom, you either crumble under it or you have nowhere else to go but up. And so that's kind of where I was at. And I my day job was delivering paint. And, you know, I, I graduated from college and did, got, did really well in college and graduated magna cum laude. And then I got a job that it was because I could pick up buckets and pass a drug test. And that that's a very humbling sort of experience to have of like, I literally have this job because I could pass a P test. Like, <laughs> um, and so that it puts you in a mindset of if you're like me, I'm wired to create things. I'm wired to, I always want to end every day. I've created a new thing. And you're just in this mindset of, I just picked up buckets and drove them around all day. I need to do something that I'm passionate about. I need to do something that I care about. So in that sense, it wasn't difficult. On the other hand, I think back to then, I was like, I don't know how I did that. Like I, like I was, I would, cause I would, uh, you work eight hours a day doing hard labor work in the sun in Texas, literally moving thousands of pounds of paint daily. And then I would come home and I have to shoot a video, edit a video, stamp late, watching whatever I need to get watched for the next day, spend time with my wife, spend time with my kids, go to the movies. And I'm going to bed at like, you know, two in the morning, waking up at six. I'm old enough that I can't run on that little, that little small yeah. amount of energy. And there's even energy drinks can only go so far. So I don't know how I did it. So on the one hand, I, I couldn't do it, what I was doing before now. But at the time, I wouldn't say to you that it was difficult. And I think some of that's when you have something that you're passionate about. If you're in a state of mind of where like, this has to work. I have to get out of this job, this place I'm at. I, you're just so passionate. It doesn't seem all that hard even though it has an extraordinarily cost to it. I um, I mean, right now that's happening to me. I feel like, I mean, I'm in college. 
And, you know, obviously I had a job, but I quit too because it was just too much. And then it, I'm not really passionate about it. I, I was having a conversation right. with my mom about it because, like, I'm studying, I'm, I, I'm studying to be a doctor. But that's not something that I love. But I, I don't, like, I love this, but I don't know how I, I don't know how to make that, this, something I love into a job. Because being a yeah. doctor, it's like going to college. That's it. You yeah. go to college, you do there's, well. There's a path. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a clear path if you do da 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 and when it comes to YouTube or any of these kind of like creative entrepreneurs, it's not a clear path. It's and there's luck in it, and it's the timing. Yeah, there's very true. Yeah, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, yeah, yeah. and it's funny because I'm kind of taking the opposite route. When I finished high school, I didn't know what degree I was gonna do. Like I was just lost. And then all I knew is how to like editing videos. I like editing mm -hmm. videos. I like making content. So and I'm talking to my advisor and I tell her, "Oh, I like editing videos. What's the best thing?" And then she tells me. Getting to TV and media production, that's the best thing I can tell you. So that's what I'm studying right now. And I like what I'm studying. But the thing with that is that there's not like a clear, oh, after after you finish your degree, this is where you're going to mm -hmm. go. It's mm -hmm. really open. And you got to do your own internships. You got to like have your own connections. So I'm like, I'm a bit uncertain of what's going to come next. But I I know what I'm doing something. I, I, I feel like happy and comfortable saying that i'm at least i'm taking a chance yeah like and that that's the way i want to live life i right. want to take a chance of what i love and i've also told like obviously there's nothing wrong with like wanting to be a doctor there's nothing wrong with like kind of trying to play it safe but like you said when you're in that moment of like you were working a lot but it didn't feel like it because obviously it's not sustainable but it didn't feel like work. If you would have been doing, if you would have right. been two jobs and it would have been, oh, delivering paint and then something else that you didn't like, then yeah, that would have been insane, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And, and that, I mean, there's such a difference between when you're doing something you're passionate about, that you're excited about, where there's some momentum versus doing something because you need a paycheck. You, you really find yourself in a very kind of different state of mind in how draining it is and you think when you when you're doing something you don't want to do, you need to get away from that to relax and recover. But when you're doing something you enjoy, you don't need you're not looking to escape it. Now you certainly I, like especially now I do this full time. I have to build things in to get away. Like I need to get off the internet. I need to stop. I need. How do I watch things just for fun? There's it has its own consequences when you do what I do. Um, but at the same time, it's a very different mindset of when. You enjoy what you're doing. You're passionate about it. It it motivates. It gives you a motivation in and of itself. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because one of our questions yeah. was actually going to be, you're a critic, so does it ever get difficult to like watch things and like just turn off that the critic, critic mind? mind? Yep. The way it plays out for me is that as I've kind of said in here, I'm the ranking guy. So I'm always talking about whole franchises of movies and to do that sustainably, to be the guy that stays on top, that has fresh new insights and everything. I, I have to watch all the movies for all of this or TV shows. And that means I have to decide in advance what I'm going to be watching for the next three months. And then it, it, it takes something that I do enjoy doing, but it also makes it homework. Mm -hmm. And there's always more videos I need to make. There's always more things I need to prep for. So it becomes very difficult to just watch something for fun. Yeah. It becomes very difficult. Like, oh, it's a Friday night. I'm actually, I'm ahead. 
all of a sudden I don't know how to watch movies the way I used to watch movies anymore. Cause I'm always thinking like, well, if I watch this, it'll set me up for this. And then I have to watch this. And when I do watch things, I feel like afterwards, okay, now I need to write some notes about my thoughts on it for when ever I'm going to need to talk about this one. Let me have some thoughts already written down. And that's where I think the cost comes in. It, it, that's the way it plays out, at least for me, of it, it does become very difficult to just watch something and enjoy it. And, it, and, it, and it, you know, people use the phrase, you know, just turn off your brain and enjoy it. And they normally mean something different. They're talking about watching a stupid movie and just enjoying the stupid movie, not overthinking the stupidity. In the context of that, of that for me, it's a matter of being able to watch something without converting it into work without thinking how to be efficient, without thinking how to utilize this moment, that becomes very difficult. And that's the side where it's just tough to turn off. But yeah, it's, um, you definitely start to rewire your brain to watch things differently. Because, you know, uh, you know, I watch movies in the theater to review them. I don't have a notepad out. I'm not writing things down. Right. So I start watching them and inherently like, sorting through what does and doesn't work and trying to come up with verbiage and language to talk about it, to try and articulate my feelings on it. Well, then you're I'm rewiring my brain to instantly watch things, analyze it, and create sentences. That's a very different thing than watching it just to experience it. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of kind of weird things that kind of come as a side effect to doing this for a living. And, but I, I think there's a, a lot of pushback from the internet of, oh, movie critics, you know, they just get out of touch. They're just watching it to be negative. They're just watching to be critical. They've forgotten how to just enjoy a movie. And I, I, there's a there's an amount of truth to that. But I, I think that what a lot of people miss is that, you know, movie critics watch everything. We watch way more than the average person. And so we're watching things because that's what we do. We watch everything and share our thoughts on it. And so, you know, I'll watch over 100 new releases this year. Average person watches like 12 new releases in a year. So I'm watching like eight, nine, 10 times as many new releases as someone else. And average person, they only watch the thing they're excited to watch. They only go to watch the thing that they went, oh, I like that trailer. I like that actor. I'm going to watch that because I think I'll like it. I watch things because they came out. And I see all kinds of movies and I see incredible movies I never thought that I would be interested in. And I see terrible movies that are barely competently put together. And that just gives you a very different perspective from someone that, yeah, you know, I, I watch I watch some movies. Yeah, I watch about one new movie every month, maybe one new movie every week. It's a different way of watching movies. So um, I think there's a lot of different perspectives that you could, you could take on some of these things. So do you ever feel like the need to just watch something because you have to, for example, I know you didn't love She-Hulk. So do you feel like you had to continue watching it just because the audience expects you to? Like, do you ever have the opportunity to just not watch it if you don't want to? That, I mean, there are things that I've been able to stop watching. And that, and I, I, you know, certainly with the MCU, it gets really tricky because it is a franchise that I have, I've been there since day, day one in May 2008. So 14 years I've been invested in the MCU. So I just watch everything they put out. Would I watch She-Hulk? Would I would have watched Miss Marvel? which I actually enjoyed a lot more than She-Hulk, but um, would I have seen the trailer and gone, I'm going to go watch that if it wasn't part of the MCU and if it wasn't my job? I don't know. Um, especially with the, I think that's where the MCU is in a little bit of a tricky spot because they're intertwining everything so much that you have to watch everything. And at the same time, they're 
now doing things that are a lot more niche and targeted specific audiences rather than just broad appeal. I don't know. But I, I mean, there, there are shows that I've started watching and been like, I just don't like this and I stopped. So a great example would be the Arrowverse on CW. Sure. Where uh, you know, I was there day no actually it turned uh, the show Arrow turned 10 this past week. And I was waiting for the show Arrow to start about four years before it was ever announced because Green Arrow showed up on Smallville and I went, they should do a show about Green Arrow. And there was all these murmurs for four years, and then they actually did it, and I loved the first two seasons. And then you know, they started spinning off into Flash, and I loved the first two seasons of the Flash, and then they decided let's do every random character you can imagine. And they just spread themselves so thin and there was just too much to watch and the quality of everything dropped. And so I finished watching Arrow, but I thought it was a mess by the end. And I got to a certain point in time with the flash where I went, I think I'm just done. And I, I had a series of hit videos talking about the flash and ranking the seasons. And there's more things I could have done in there and just doubled and tripled down on it. But I got to a point where I was like, this is, this is homework for me. Yeah. And I don't want to keep doing that. And actually in that same vein, um, like I actually, this was a big one for me uh, when I had like uh, whatever season of flash it was, I, I did a ranking and I was like, it did just an arrow. And I was like, I'll do all these shows. So I watched through Supergirl, And for the most part, I didn't really enjoy that show kind of in the same vein of my feeling kind of on She-Hulk. It was just, there's some, some stuff that just didn't, didn't mesh for me. For me. Um, and I, I got to the end of it, did a video ranking it. And I went, that was just work. Like, I didn't enjoy the show, but I'm watching it, making a video about ranking it because I think it'll get views. I don't really want to do that. And so I, kind of, I decided not to do um, Legends of Tomorrow for that same reason. I'd stopped kind of forcing myself to watch them just for the sake of creating content. And so I think with TV shows in particular, I'm trying to do a better job of not watching things just for content if I don't don't like it. There's a few exceptions. The MCU is just like I'm so invested in that world that I'm going to watch everything the MCU puts out for the time being. If they they continue to like have some quality issues, which I feel like they've had in phase four, maybe we will reach a point in time where I like, all right, Kevin Feige, we're breaking up. This isn't working anymore. But I mean, there's still enough things in there that I enjoy that that, that doesn't seem like we're anywhere close to that. But, you know, I, I did do what you described with a lot of the Arrowverse and the Superman and Lois. I really dug it. So I'm back. I'm watching that show but I'm not watching the other ones. So I, I'm trying to to do, do some of that. Some, it's just, it's tough sometimes. Yeah. And it's funny because yesterday I random, but I finished watching Breaking Bad for the first time. And I was watching your review on season mm -hmm. five. And you mentioned towards the end that, that they decided to end the show. at like a speed. Mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. All the people would have been like, Oh, we're yep. number one. let's keep going. Let's keep going. But they knew like, this is it. I mean, it's how you watch Breaking Bad. What more could you have done, really? Like, you could have right. pushed it, but it would have gotten to a point that you're letting, like, Walter White get away with too many things. Mm -hmm. so it's like, well, let's leave it here. And I think of Arrow and The Flash. I think those are, like, the perfect examples of shows that just kept going. And mm -hmm. they tarnished themselves. Because I love Bad Guys season one and two of Arrow. That's, like, two of my first seasons. I, yeah, for sure. I love, I love, I feel like it was so tense. With like Deathstroke and all of that, and even the Flash, Reverse Flash, and then even Zoom was dope. But then, like I, so it's like I stopped. I'm like, oh, I just, like it's funny because I'm somebody that hates not finishing things, but like, they kind of even for me that it was too much. Just, just kept going. Yeah, and, and and I think those ones in particular, I think highlight the problem with the 22 episode lengths, where um, 
if you're doing episodic television, which is what television pre-streaming, pre-DVDs, everything was episodic because there wasn't a way to go back and start from the beginning. So you had to do these standalone stories. And when you have standalone stories, you have these kind of real um, templates. This guy showed up and we got to defeat him this week. And you just copy and paste that over and over again. And, you know, shows like Law and Order still do that. But throughout the last 20 years, television's gotten a lot better. And it's serialized and it's these in-depth stories. And I, and Arrow and Flash tried to do that and do like this really long in-depth stories with season-long villains. And you just, you just it, there's it's too long. And you just burn through too many good ideas. I actually, one of the earliest videos on, on my YouTube channel was pre-Sean Chandler Talks About. It was a pre-date Sean Chandler Talks About by several years. was a Arrow season one review. And I said in it, like, I don't know how they're going to be able to sustain this pace for multiple seasons of you just keep having these twists and turns. Every episode ends with a cliffhanger, a police hour to get them. This person found out, this person discovered, this twist, this that turn. That's what happened. Two seasons, it was like, man, edge of your seat. Man, I'm hooked. Man, what's going to happen next? And then you reach a point where you just have to start doing dumber and dumber things, crazier and crazier things that strain more and more credibility. Yeah. You burn through good plot lines. You burn through all the villains. And then you're just rehashing and getting weirder and wackier. Yeah, everybody started becoming a hero and arrow. Every, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but the, the MCU is the opposite because I feel like the six-episode format, I think they're kind of going away with it a little bit. But even She-Hulk, it was nine episodes, but it was still like the beginning was good. Then it was like dragged, and then the end, it was like a total rush. The end, mm -hmm. the end of She-Hulk was like, it was like way too fast. It was only 30 minutes, and it was like, it was it, it was rushed. And I feel like that's the opposite that from the Arrow. Yeah, I I mean I that I think that's what's so strange. Some of the stuff with the the Disney Plus shows, I just don't understand how they're even if you just stop and think like okay, you have six episodes, three act structure. Episodes 1 and 2 set everything up. Episodes uh 3 and 4, you go deep and add complications. Then you have some sort of big twist turn that messes things up at the end of episode 4. And so then episode 5, you set things up and then you pay it off in episode 6. There's a three act structure you could do or like with she-hulk what happens at the end of the next to last episode with the big reveal stuff that should have happened at the end of episode six so you have three episodes of dealing with the consequences of it setting something up for a finale and then having a big finale and instead they went let's all let's do all of that in one episode and so it just rushes through flies through all of it so you can't explore it you can't spend time in it it's just rushing through plot beats and then the credits roll it's not satisfying at all. So I, I, it's weird the way that they went from one extreme 22 episodes to like six episodes is way too short. And it's like, let's just do something in the middle, but also just think about it. Like how much determine the number of episodes based off the amount of story you have. Exactly. For sure. So let's talk a little bit. Of, let's, yeah, we talked yeah. about it a little bit. Let's talk about a little bit about the MCU. Like um, phase four right now, how it is. Yeah. And you like, want to talk about a little bit about how the like, MCU is looking? Like, for example, I think a show that just it, it was looking good to me at least, and then it it randomly like had an explosion at the end was like Moon Knight, like yeah. episode five. That episode that it was you know him in the as asylum or whatever, and it was it was super deep his backstory. So you feel like you you finally understand what was going on with him. And then out of nowhere in the final episode, it's like this big CGI. I always talk about it. It makes no sense. The episode is like a psychological thriller type. 
that you really get into depth. And then at the end, it's two big CGI, like a like a, a skeleton and a dinosaur and a, an alligator. I mean, like yeah, we're doing we're doing Power Rangers in Egypt, yo. Yeah, like I don't I don't understand that. Yeah, like, and then like you even mentioned in when you talked about it that uh, Moon Knight wins, but we didn't even see him win. It's just I don't know. He like yeah. cuts. And he, that's mm -hmm. like, it. It, it, it feels so random. Like to me, Moon Knight had like the potential to be the best show, but because he was following that format, like it kind of scrambled it at the end. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about the the current phase of the NCU. How do you feel about it? What do you think? Uh, and how do you uh, think? What do you think? I think moving forward. Um, I think it's easily the weakest phase. It's the least focused phase, and it feels like quantity over quality. And you have to stop and think. Uh, early on. They were putting out like one movie per year in phase one. Like the, they put two out in, in 2008. Then there's a two year gap before Iron Man 2. And so it's like one movie per year. And then phase two, they went two movies per year. Phase three, they went three movies per year. And then phase four is it's it, COVID kind of messed it up, kind of shrink the timeline a little bit. But even without that, it would have been three, four movies per year, three, four TV shows per year. And so the amount of actual content being generated was like tripled in phase four per year. And that means you're having to get more writers, more actors, more characters, more everything. But if the secret sauce is Kevin Feige and his ability to shepherd a system, you still only have one Kevin Feige. And now he's being spread thin. And if you're casting directors, part of your secret sauce of finding the perfect people, now they have to find two or three times as many people per year. But the other thing to keep in mind is that part of what happened with phase three and the reason they could triple the amount of content they were putting out is that a number of those were sequels, follows up, follow-ups. And you had been, rec they'd recruited like the Russos years prior. They worked and they went, let's get, let you do another one. And so they you get to phase three, they're not recruiting three times as many writers, three times as many directors they were already established. They only had to incorporate still like one new writer, one new director each year into their kind of storytelling group. You go into phase four, who are our returning writers and directors? Taika Waititi, one, who else? It's almost all new people. And so then that's all new people they had to recruit, all new people they have to integrate into the storytelling group. And that's when it, it just... It's a lot of freshness, a lot of newness, which can be good, but it also means you're spread way thin. And that's what this feels like to me. Just they're trying a bunch of different things. It feels like Mickey Mouse mandated that we need to have a lot of content for our streaming service. So Kevin, just come up with uh, something for everyone. Like we want something that's more mature. We want something that's very teeny bopper. We want something that's for women. We want something for dudes. Give us something for each of those demographics. And so they went, okay, um, you know, She-Hulk's for women. And then Miss um, Marvel is for um, the teenagers and Moon Knight's for the dudes. And um, we'll also have Falcon and the Winter Soldier for the dudes. Like, it just feels like they they just kind of came up with in that way and had to recruit people to make it happen. And it wasn't starting with what's the best stories we can tell? What's the best talent we can recruit for each of these? And so it just feels like it's a lot more kind of scattershot in both the storytelling and how they're intertwined, quality, all of it is all over the place. And when I look at phase four, thus far, 
Spider-Man No Way Home is is like top tier. Yeah. But even as I think about it, I don't feel that's like an MCU movie. That, that feels like a Spider-Man movie. I know it's in the MCU, of course. Yeah. But it, it, as a, a categorically, when I think about it, what makes it special, it's not special as an MCU film. It's special because they actually pulled off bringing in Toby and Andrew and all the villains. That's what makes it special. That's why we love it. It's ties to Spider-Man, not it's ties to the MCU. And then when it comes to, to kind of everything else, there's there's a number of projects I've enjoyed and that I've liked that are that are good or very good. But the only one that feels top tier this far for me is Spider-Man. And maybe I, I think Black Panther has the potential to be in that top tier, but everything else is a lot of it's in that middle category and a disproportionately large amount is bottom tier for me of some of that's are experiments that didn't work eternals that was a risk it didn't work for me but i i respect that risk i get that risk like she hulk that that was a risk but i don't feel like that was a risk that they should have taken it was something that was always going to be divisive always going to be polarizing and then they designed it to be more divisive and polarizing by antagonizing its own critics that to me strikes as like it's like it's just a really weird thing to do and a risk that feels out of place with everything else. Eternals, it didn't work for me. I didn't like it, but I I'm totally fine with that risk. But She-Hulk, I don't get it. I I don't I don't get why they went that why they would go in that direction and give it such a like combative spirit. How yeah. do you suggest they fix it? Go ahead. And I was gonna say that like it it bothers me because I feel like there's a lot of good ideas. Like for example, Thor: Love and Thunder, I feel like that movie could have been a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yep, like, absolutely. You, I heard like you said it, and other people said it that they had good ideas in it. The villain was amazing. Could have the time should have been amazing. Good. Very close to being amazing. Yeah. Could have been amazing. It's all and there then, to be amazing, but he's not actually amazing. Yeah. And then you have Thor coming out of Endgame, which could have been like interesting. Him coming out of you know that depression. You have Jane literally dying from cancer. You have the last person that like Thor loved. And and like when she it, it's when she died, I didn't even really get that emotional because the movie was like so like goofy all over the place. That, right. Oh, she's dying. I'm like, oh, she's just, she's dying. Yeah. Like, when know, everything's played for jokes, it's tough to take something serious serious. And he didn't feel like Thor. It, you 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 know you see that character and you see him at the end of uh, Infinity War and the, even the, at the end of his, at the end of this first movie, he just looks like a caricature of himself mm-hmm. and doesn't even feel real. And I mm-hmm. think that's why the why people love the mcu is because you have superheroes that feel real like iron man like it, obviously it's not possible but you could see someone being smart and creative right. hulk an experiment got wrong the super soldier formula like you can see those things but then when you get to she hulk everyone's a superhero it seems unrealistic it's just mm-hmm. too much it's just way too much how do you think they should fix it sorry go ahead well i, I mean i think some of it is you you just have to take your foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. You can't put out that much content. And I think that's so much at the, the core of the problem is the quantity. And I, I think if they're able to do that, like if, if the plan was, okay, guys, this, this isn't about maximizing profits for shareholders. It's for maintaining the integrity for longevity. You'd say, okay, which of these projects really have merit it's really good and helps build this thing out and it's and i don't mean that every one of these has to be super interconnected 
I think it's okay if you're like, we're going to do some stories that are standalone little things. Uh, Werewolf by Night, a little standalone thing. I really enjoyed it. But I think you you do that, but you think, what are the ones of these that are worth doing that help bring the audience back together and decide which ones are just like, this is divisive. We just don't have the right creative team for this project. So even though we like it, let's move it aside, but really focus in and make it clear. These are the ones that are interconnected. This thing is a cool thing. We love it. It's a fun story. We think you're really going to enjoy it, but also let people know you don't have to watch this one to understand the other stuff. I think even just like having clarity in that helps. And it does, you take the burden off the audience of feeling like they have to watch everything. And that's where it, 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 when people feel like they have to watch everything in the MCU and then like, I just don't want to watch She-Hulk. I just don't want to watch Ms. Marvel. It, you take that burden off their shoulders if you give them permission not to watch things they don't need to watch. But then let them know like, hey, if you're, if you just, I've got an interview in five minutes with you. So we got to hop on. <laughs> There's my alarm for, for this. Um, um, but I think you give people permission not to watch things that they don't need to watch and let them know what they do need to watch and make that a lot more clear and not like I, I have friends that are, they just kind of threw in the towel. They went, it's just too much. I'm not even going to try anymore. And they gave it on the entire MCU because they got burned by these shows that went nowhere. But it, it's tough to answer because they've chosen a strategy that they've already told us, Hey, we're going to do, Four movies, four TV shows every year. Like, okay. I don't know how you maintain the quality while doing that. I think you have to trim it back. You have to focus it in or let people know what, what isn't, isn't part of this grander narrative. Yeah. And like, it's kind of sad because I was just thinking about it, the, like looking forward to the things that are going to come out. I'm mainly excited for like the Avengers movies. I mean, I like Deadpool. So I was excited, but now I'm even more excited. I was just, Hugh Jackman's gonna come back for that. The Fantastic Four, yeah, Guardians because I already know them. But then if I'm looking at the other things, Black yeah. Panther, Black Panther's coming out. But the other things like Thunderbolts, even Captain America, like I'm not crazy. Right. About. Yeah, I mean that's that's part of the problem. Like you have so many of these different things that they're launching, and that that the ones that they just launched, well. Rewinding a little bit. So phase four launches all these new franchises. And then phase five is launching even more new franchises. <laughs> and there's all these characters we just don't know very well. Some of the ones they have launched, they didn't do a great job of launching. And so it's not, you're, you're not getting invested in them the way that we got invested in the characters launched in phase one and phase two. And so it's kind of just an odd place of like, there's, there's just not that excitement there for either the next team up movie because those feel like so far away. I mean, it's like four years, three years away till we get an Avengers movie. So it's not a thing like we feel like we're building towards. And maybe that's one of the other things that's kind of missing right now is that they they always felt like they were building towards something. The pre three previous phases ended with a team-up movie. And then they, you know, phases two and three had like the, you know, after the little dessert afterwards with Ant-Man and the Wasp and then Spider-Man Far From Home. But there was an event at the end that we were building towards that we could see how this all tied together. There was none of that 
it just feels disconnected. And you looked at the next stuff coming and it just feels more kind of disconnected. Like, I don't know who this is. And like, I didn't like where Falcon and the Winter Soldier took Captain America. And so I'm not excited about a continuation of that. And it's, I think that's a big part of it. It's like when you have enough of these things that are just kind of lackluster and they don't feel like you're building towards something in the near future, you just lose that momentum, that excitement. And yeah, it's it, it's strange the way it, where phase three just felt so much like you got to watch everything. Man, we're building towards Thanos. It's coming. And right now it's like, I, I don't Okay, I know something's coming, but like, what? Why do I? Why do I need to watch this next thing to prep for that? I don't. I don't get it. I'm hoping that maybe Ant Man or Kang being in there, maybe like I feel like Ant Man has a lot of pressure, which is funny to say. Like, yeah, yeah. Ant Man, you know, think what are like funny movies, but I think Ant Man or Kang, Kang needs to come in and like be intimidating. He needs to be scary. He needs to say, "I'm gonna kill everybody." Yeah, we need to be mm-hmm. a pro supporter. Yeah, and like I think it will, because from the tr- from the little leaks in the trailer and all of that, it seems like it's gonna come in like that. But that definitely, I forgot. I forgot about that movie until right now. That movie has a lot of pressure now on the law. Like you said, it is interesting because the previous two Ant Man movies were intentionally these little yeah, like uh, in their own little, world. Kind of yeah, 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 just little. Yeah. Small contained stories about heists and tracking down MacGuffins, and they came right after big event Avengers movies. So they're intentionally like sometimes we're big and huge, and then sometimes we do these little Ant Man stories. And then this one is the flip side. This one is like this is our kickoff of all of this stuff. This where Kang is in this one, and there's stakes and it's heavy, like. So what does an Ant-Man movie look like that has stakes and it's big and it's important? I don't know, but we're about to find out. And it's funny because I, I think the MCU can't afford like another like small know, movie right know. now. Like if you if bring out an Ant-Man movie that's small right now, yeah, like it, it, it's just, I don't think it's going to hit well with fans. It's going to be like, oh, like it's, yeah, it was fun, but I, I want more. Like I need something yeah. to pull it back in. Yeah, I, oh, I think they really need something that pulls everyone together that everyone's like that was cool and i'm excited for what's next hopefully by that. yeah hopefully yeah. um because you just like spider-man no way home was that but then it felt like uh, you know doctor strange 2 um generally speaking not terribly well regarded i liked it a good bit as a sam raimi fan but i get why it, a lot of people really didn't like it and then miss marvel was very niche and i think there was some issues with the structure thor love and thunder obviously one of the the worst received movies in the mcu she hulk extremely divisive and you kind of go 2020 2022 has not been a great year for the mcu mm-hmm. and it that's coming up like it literally we rode into 2022 on swinging with spider-man Everyone is as excited, like so pumped. People love movies again because of this movie in the MCU. And they have diminished all of that goodwill through a series of questionable projects. And so I, I hopefully Black Panther, it maybe it's not a movie that is huge for the mythology, but it's pulls us back together. And then it's followed up by Ant-Man actually being that movie that makes us go, oh, now I see where you're going, Kevin. I get it. I okay, cool. Man, you back to back movies that won me over. Cool. Hopefully that's what's happening because Thank God you know, yeah, what, what happened? Yeah. You know? 
Hopefully. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Ashan, uh, thank you so much for your time. We really, really mm -hmm. appreciate you doing this for us. Um, everybody subscribe. An amazing content yeah. creator. Really, really, really. Uh, thank you so much once again. Mm -hmm. And um, just keep doing your thing, man.